What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Voice, and this is another episode of the Facts Project. Today, two very special guests. I have Wells Thompson and Dalton Shannon. We are here to talk about Mechaton. Uh, issues four and five are now live on Kickstarter. So get everybody get out there and get that. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to be here. Absolutely. And I made for damn sure to put Frankenstein in the <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, so, we noticed. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely appreciate you guys having that. So for mm-hmm. for the for you guys having this uh this issue now, mm-hmm. now it's in its fourth and fifth issue. Um mm-hmm. this of course being a passion project for you both because you have a love of course comic books and kaijus. You talked about this being a Scott Pilgrim meets Pacific Rim type storyline. If you could tell the the folks at home and force the audiences about Mechaton and its wholesome uh, genre comedy for all uh, <laughs> for all ages or how it's basically brought brought to your attention tell us about mechaton yeah mechaton is a big mismatch of everything that we know and love in life uh but the, the basic plot it's it's about a glove that crash lands on earth a brother and sister find it and they discover that anything they punch while wearing it turns into a mech so a big battle mech uh whether it's a hot dog stand or a house uh, and where there are mechs, there are kaiju, so kaiju shenanigans ensue, uh, and people get it on video, and, and everyone decides they want a piece of it. Um, so there are tons of complications of that, tons of big uh, battles and, and uh, lots of lovable characters. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's, it's a lot of action, it's a lot of comedy, it's a lot of heart. Uh, it's, we, we don't, I hate the term all ages because that makes it sound like it's for kids, it's, it's for right. everyone. Uh, I, I, I know a couple of kids, like, you know, 10, 11 year old kids that love it and bother me for when the next issue is coming out. Uh, but I know, you know, just as many people in their twenties and thirties and forties that, that love it as well. So I think it really is a a comic that anyone can enjoy. Dalton. Uh, yeah, copy, copy, paste. (laughs) Wells covered the bases pretty well. Uh, we, we were, we tried very hard to, uh, make sure that Megaton was, uh, as as all ages friendly as we could as we could make it uh and when the modern day uh notion of all ages tends to be a pg-13 marvel film it, it kind of falls into place or you can uh you can write it with a little more uh bite than uh what normal children's entertainment is and uh kids are still gonna go for it and adults are still gonna go for it uh so we don't ever have to talk down or uh hold back in any serious kind of way we just find what fits the tone and we go from there it's it's it, it's a great malleable kind of series for that definitely now where did this love of kaijus or better yet monsters come from <laughs> uh well i uh i don't remember a world without godzilla so uh i've always been a big kaiju fan uh and uh, as i got older i got into uh more like mech anime and uh like Ultraman, Power Rangers, all that kind of stuff. So, so all of the the ludicrous uh, genre fiction from Japan, uh, I have I've always had a, a deep admiration for, especially Tokusatsu. Uh, so yeah, I, I, and then of course superhero fiction goes into that as well. So like uh, it, it ended up just being this one big, like well said, mishmash of of love and uh, yeah, I. I I never stopped loving that stuff. So it's safe to say, uh, Dalton, that you're a heavy Power Rangers fan. I don't know if it'd be safe. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I am much more uh, 
kaiju fan, so I, I tend more towards Godzilla and Ultraman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, my, my, okay, so I was into so much stuff as a kid. Like, <laughs> I was into Godzilla and Batman and, and all sorts of stuff, and I was running around the house just, like, kicking and punching things because I was a little kid, and my mom saw that I was marginally interested in Power Rangers, and she saw what Power Rangers was. She was like, we have enough of that in this house. We have enough. Uh, like, <laughs> I think Dalton's going to be okay if he doesn't watch Power Rangers. And I was, but now as an adult, I'm, I'm getting very into uh, the comics and uh, Super Sentai in general. So uh, there's a lot of uh, catching up to do in regards to that. But uh, yeah, I, I still love that stuff, even if I didn't necessarily grow up with it. Excellent. So uh, as far as the dynamic between Derek and Leah, the brother and sister duo of, of this uh, of this storyline, um, you tend to find Leah is, of course, uh, an artist who basically is amongst her creativity. And then you find Derek, who has an obsession with video games and tends to be a slacker. Now, if mm-hmm. now, Wells, could you please describe the dynamic between these two? Uh, very loving codependence is what I would say. Uh, <laughs> I think like I, we sometimes frame it a little bit harshly for, you know, for Derek, uh, calling the slacker. Uh, I sometimes refer to him as a bit dumb. I think they're both kind of in that vein, like Leah is an artist, but what that really means is, you know, unemployed and, and kind of living in her, uh, in her parents' house with her brother. Nah. Um, they're, <laughs> They're both, they're like, they're both equally guilty of that. Um, and, and Derek is just kind of a normal dude, in, in my opinion, you know, that I've, that I've seen growing up is just, he wants to make the world better. He doesn't know how, uh, and he hates, you know, he doesn't really love his job. He doesn't really have any like strong ambition outside of that. He loves video games and he likes helping out his neighbors. Um, I, I, yeah, I, and the, the dynamic between them is very, uh, I just wanted to capture like a good, you know, brother-sister dynamic, honestly, um, and sort of explore something I hadn't seen in a lot of uh, media that's focused on these kind of characters, which is the backseat gamer dynamic. Mm. Um, you know, growing up, I, you know, <laughs> I had to learn to read because my brother wouldn't read out loud the uh the text from Ocarina of Time uh, to me whenever he would talk to a character and I would get really annoyed. That's, that was my uh, inspiration actually learn how to do that myself. Uh, but I, from the time I was little, I was watching him play games and I was fascinated by it. And uh, I wanted to know what it was about. And now as an adult, uh, my wife who loves video games, but isn't the best player loves to watch me play stuff. That's, that's a date night for us is, uh, we sit down and I boot up Metroid Prime Remastered and we just go through and she points out stuff that I missed and and we just go through and explore. Mm. Um, so yeah, I wanted to, to sort of capture that dynamic a little bit with them as well as just that very realistic kind of brother-sister uh, mentality where they can insult each other in one minute but but be, you know, on the same page at all other times. Uh, and it's it's them versus the world even if mm. they never say it out loud <laughs> definitely and and you can obviously tell through like the first few pages that dalton does not have i mean i'm sorry not dalton derek has a uh <laughs> the dalton <laughs> derek has a um is not too shy with confronting authority figures no not particularly yeah, yeah. No, it uh uh kind of it, it's uh 
interesting writing Derek and Leah because they are 20 somethings uh, with the that slacker kind of uh mentality uh and it, in a way it feels like we're writing like the prototypical millennial in that regard where a lot of us feel a little directionless we feel a little uh like we want to do good but don't know how to do it and uh this book has kind of allowed us to give Derek a little bit of a purpose with the glove and now that he has a little bit of direction he's he's able to kind of uh confront a lot of the things he may not have had a lot of power to do so like with especially issue one when he confronts uh Mr. Moore about the the late pizza mm -hmm. like uh, he kind of he took it upon himself to uh to make sure the pizza was late so that uh they could get it for free and uh he kind of brings this up casually to to mr moore he's like yeah yeah no, they they needed the the help it, it's fine i don't know why it's a big deal uh and then mr moore promptly you know fires him and and derek's a little upset about it but i mean you see him in the car afterwards he's, he's like he doesn't know what to do now that he's kind of lost his job and now when he gets the glove you you see a reluctance to kind of take it on but you also start to see more of uh even more of that confrontation against authority figures start to, mm -hmm. to blossom. Uh, especially, I think, like the, the way he interacts with uh, the officers in uh, chapter three is mm -hmm. uh, distinctly different from the way he interacts with Mr. Moore in chapter one. Uh, he's, he's a little bit more like a little more quippy. He's uh, a little, uh, he's, he's not as willing to just kind of sit back and take it now that he's kind of gotten a taste of, of what the club can do uh but he's also willing to still work with people like he, he's not just going to write off anybody yeah. in an authority position he wants to work with people he right. just wants to make sure they're not being a dick while they're doing it <laughs> yeah now would you say that comes from the fact that derek and and both leah have a i guess a big heart of sorts towards their community now, uh, the the way that, that basically this this uh, this story was, of course, encompassed um, the sense of community, of course, stands out a lot in this film and the, and the, the caring mm -hmm. for the people within their community tends to happen. Did that come from a sense of how you wrote it because of basically personal experiences? Well, it I mean, it's something we care about a lot. It's just like sort of fostering a sense of community and, and finding people on, you know, in your neighborhood and in your local level uh that whose life you can impact in a serious way um you know people make a big deal about you know wanting to change the world and wanting to do good for people and like the most impact you can have yeah it's let's let's just acknowledge this yes it's a cat yep i it's figured Quailag, it Quailag is my cat's name uh and she loves attention so uh but yeah no that, that's something we care about. We wanted to foster a sense of community. Uh, I try to in my daily life. Um, that's actually, it's how uh, Dalton and I kind of started doing this is we were trying to get a bunch of writers together to uh, to sort of create a, uh, a community where we didn't have to go it alone. Nice. Dalton, uh, would, you say, would you say the same for you? Yeah. Uh, you know, not... We, we, nobody has a giant club that can turn hot dog carts into to, to mech. So we, we can't right. all kind of impact the world in the same way Derek can, but uh, we can all kind of impact somebody's world in a positive way. And I think we show that with, with Derek and that comes from a place where uh, sometimes the best you can do is just to give your neighbor a hand with the groceries. And uh, we really 
made sure like that that mm -hmm. has survived from the very first draft is is the Derek and his his pizza, so like it's it's super important to us to make sure that that uh, having that sense of a foster community and and making sure you uh, have connections with those neighbors that's that's the real way to kind of like impact the world yeah and also punching things for sure I th I think it was important for us in this story that. Derek not be a good guy because he is suddenly imbued with the power right. to do good stuff. It's he's just a decent person who now has extraordinary power. Mm -hmm. um, and what do you do with that? And how do you respond to that? Um, which is and not which a is perfect weird. person. He's still no. a slacker. He's still a guy who's like, I just want to go home and play video games. Someone, I don't want to punch the insect today. We yeah, we read. We I heard a, uh, a critique of of the character and of the sort of scenario we set up in issue one that said what essentially what he's doing is stealing from the pizza company or the you know the the the, the store that he works for and like I disagree with that perspective Arc. but it's it's <laughs> but it's not wrong either like it's it's right. just a different way of looking at it like you know he he is in one sense being you know thoughtless toward the people that employ him uh, and on the other hand you know. Uh, he's trying to help this family make ends meet, which I think is the nobler goal. But you know, I, but 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 that's not a black and white issue at all. You know, I don't. Very true. Because mm -hmm. well, if if we take for instance outside of the first issue where we basically got the discovery of the alien uh, glove and the technology that basically was brought mm -hmm. with it, the the story of course has broadened a bit to where now um, everybody's after it. So, like, uh, people, of course, want to get their hands on it. Sure. Uh, they, they've seen it in action, and they understand exactly what it does. So you get this component now within the storyline where the military is after it. Mm -hmm. uh, you get the society's uh, uh, opinion <laughs> of exactly what the glove is. And, and therefore, outside of just the glove itself, you get, therefore, opinions of, why does Derek get to be the one to have this glove or, right. you know, saying like, like, well, you know, why isn't his, why isn't his sister talking him out of this, of, of, of him even having this type mm. of technology? He doesn't seem like somebody that should have all this power, but, <laughs> and then yet he does. Uh, yeah, no, it, it gets complicated very quickly. And that's something that we grapple with in uh, issues uh, four and five, four in particular, um, the press start to get involved, uh, people figure out who Derek is. There's a big like crowd that forms outside of his house. Um, and in equal measure, they love him and they hate him. Um, and so it is it, at least in small bit, kind of that uh, looking at what happens when uh, you become something bigger than yourself, even if it's by mistake, which mm -hmm. is I think an interesting thing in today's world. All of us are capable of doing that without even realizing it. Right. You know, we're we're one viral tweet away mm -hmm. from becoming from like our lives becoming entirely public mm -hmm. and, and, and open to scrutiny. Um, and that's a really cool thing and an interesting thing, but also kind of a scary thing. Yeah. Uh, and we, we wanted to kind of show that uh, show how that could play out in, in some ways. Um, yeah, no, it's we, we dive into a lot with the glove and uh, at the end of issue three, like you said, we start to get the first taste of people really wanting uh, part of it or wanting like little pieces of it. Uh, obviously the police department
Cartman is uh, skeptical about this kid having this much power. Uh, Mr. Moore, the uh, the boss who fired Derek at the beginning, immediately comes up to him and says, "Hey, no, we can we can work something out. Would how'd you like to be a mascot? You know, right. um, how'd you like to use the glove to sell my pizza?" <laughs> uh, so you you start to get people kind of fighting over it for different means and uh, how that culminates we will see uh but yeah no it's it's a story that can can and does spiral very quickly into larger and larger and larger implications yeah because i was wondering like how how are you able to balance the fact that you've created this character who is pretty careless and carefree mm-hmm. about, you know, like how he goes on about his business. And yet everybody outside of the norm is taking the object of him having alien technology as being so serious and how mm-hmm. he plays into effect. It's almost like, yeah, I necessarily don't give a shit that anybody <laughs> that anybody cares that I have this. Sure. You know? and, well, I, I, yeah, I think but everybody. Yeah, everybody just basically making it their viewpoint to be like, right. they're like, no, you shouldn't have this. Right. And he's like, I, I just th- want to play video games. I, I was going to say, I think the, the essential component that we landed on is he he hates it. He can't stand it. Right. Like, as soon as he realizes that this thing is bigger than him, he's like, take it off, take it off. And they're like, it's stuck. You can't. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, again, uh, lots of little moments in these uh, upcoming issues that I love. Uh, the the very the first thing or the very second he he can get away and just like go play video games in a basement, he does, and that's when a crowd starts forming outside of his house. So he can't escape it anywhere he goes, mm-hmm. uh, and it ju- it's just builds and builds and builds. You know, it's that wound that if you if you don't get it treated, it's going to fester, and he's just yeah. like won't. Well, that's a terrible metaphor, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like he just, the, he won't acknowledge it. <laughs> and by the end of issue five, uh, it's going to be a very long time before he gets back to that basement. He has yep. to like, he's really thrown into a position where he can't ignore it anymore. He can't pretend it's not there. And he For has sure. to start facing uh, the world and their opinions going forward yep. and, and how he handles that on a, an emotional and a, a physical sense. Yeah, because necessarily in a lot of stories, you find somebody that's going through like a power struggle. They can't mm-hmm. contain themselves because they once they realize they have so much power, they start to go berserk with it. Like they almost mm-hmm. turn into a, a, a version of themselves that they wouldn't normally see. But you have somebody like Derek that is like, yeah, sticking to his guns is like, we... I, don't, I don't even want to be this at all. Yeah, <laughs> what what I. I wanted to go the opposite approach with that. It, what what stuck out to me, so to, to take this in another direction that is nerd culture, uh, like the Lord of the Rings. Uh, in those movies, wh- what is the only thing, the entire time, all three movies, the only thing the Hobbits talk about is I can't wait to go home. Yeah. You know, I can't wait to be back home and have my 11 meals in a day and nap all the time and just be a, just be a fun, like, life-loving hobbit again Mm -hmm. uh and then they get home and it's just it everything weighs on them and everything has changed and they can't do it and like it's just to the point where frodo has to leave like he can't do it anymore Mm -hmm. uh and i i always love that just sort of the implications of 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 that sort of life-changing event and even though it's all you want is to go back home and do and and everything to go back to normal it really can't be anymore 
Uh, it's a really beautiful thing and it's slightly tragic. And I want, really wanted to bring that to Derek's character. Mm. Now, would you say, um, if I could ask, how, how much of this uh, storyline, because now we're at issue five, mm-hmm. how much further, how much broader is this world in Mechaton? Well, we uh, have a loose outline for, I believe, 15 or so issues, so about mm-hmm. three arcs. Uh, at the end of five, when uh, everything has uh, hit the fan uh, this time, uh, <laughs> the the doors really get flung open and the world uh, opens up. And uh, if they didn't realize they were in over their heads before, yeah. they do now. The, and <laughs> The subtitle for issue five is uh, Finish Line or realizing that this is the first leg of a pentathlon, which Mm. I feel like really sums it up. It's just like, we have, we thought we were done and now it is just so much more. Yeah, there's there's more characters introduced. There's uh, more mechs and there's there's bigger problems because uh, eventually Derek's going to have to start answering for for things that maybe he didn't even want to be a part of in the first place. But now Mm -hmm. uh, we're finding that uh, the uh, the absolute power is corrupting uh, maybe not Derek necessarily but everyone around him and he's yeah. like I, I just I just want this to to stop but he can't mm. make it he can't make it stop so we have to kind of explore what that world looks like and it's uh I'm super excited for it yeah <laughs> yeah is it almost to the point where Leah becomes a sort of uh, I'm not going to say she comes like uh, comes out as somewhat of a as corrupted in a sense to kind of talk Derek out of this, but does that tend to be a clue of how this is going forward? Uh, I, Leah plays a key role in the second arc. Mm. That's all I'm say really. about that. I mean, in the whole series, she is like the, yeah. the relationship between her and and Derek is really the heart of the entire mm-hmm. uh, of the entire story. Um, but yeah, she, she has, start to really form in that relationship. Has, a huge it is it is put under stress and mm-hmm. there's yeah she has a huge role to play in the second arc um yeah i i, I don't want to get too far into it just because i don't want to spoil <laughs> anything but uh we have big plans as, as far as that's concerned i think you're yeah, hitting on something very big <laughs> as i'm reading it i'm sort of seeing like leah as having this sort of uh uh the angel on the left shoulder the jiminy crickets mm-hmm. and pinocchio type mm-hmm. deal as far as being the good good conscience to anything that might go awry with Derek. So she she tends to she tends to have like this uh this conscious role in a sure. life. In in a sense, yeah. She she's the one who, you know, he's in the suit and she and and she's the one who says, go fight the bug. And he's like, I would never have thought to do that. Moreover, <laughs> no. And she just like straight up is like, do it. Or, you know, she threat I think she says, I'm gonna leak your uh, search history, uh, <laughs> your browser history. And he's like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> um so yeah, she has a lot more uh drive and vision than he does for sure. Uh she sees something cool. She wants to get it done. She wants to figure out everything about it. Uh, and he, in a, in a sense, is, uh, you know, sort of the vessel that she directs, um, which is, again, where that backseat gamer kind of dynamic comes into play, uh, is that she's the one calling the shots during the fights. Uh, she sees everything that she see, that he sees, and she's the one telling him, you know, uh, <laughs> You know, you get more points at the blaster combo. Don't don't mash X. Um, 
but yeah, but there is sort of a, uh, uh, I don't want to say a dark side of that, but like the other side of that is she is sort of self-centered and, and she has that, she, she's, is very goal oriented and, and motivated, but sometimes that means sort of disregarding what Derek thinks and feels about a situation. Mm. Like she does not ask for his permission to put the glove on. She just shoves it on his hand because she thinks it's cool and she wants to see what's going on. Right. So there's this big ass curiosity factor, I guess that that that's mm-hmm. brought into it. Because the first time, like I'm 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 of course reading the summaries and everything like that. The aspect of the alien technology glove, of course, brings me back to a, an uh, an older age. Of course, when I was young, and I'm looking at it as the Nintendo Power Glove and looking at the the movie <laughs> Wizard with uh, Fred Savage, uh, absolutely, and, and his little brother who. Of course, another brother-brother combo, but mm-hmm. uh, a sibling combo to where uh, it's more so aiding and abetting uh, the the little brother, of course, who ha- has ownership of a Nintendo Power Glove in a tournament because he feels as though he's the only one that can get it done. And the only way to get it done is through coaching him. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, for sure. No, I think you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so uh, outside of uh, the, well, I can't even say outside of the monster realm, you two, of course, have had your hand in not only just Mechaton as a five-issue series, but a very popular IP, and that is Frankenstein right here in this first one. Here. Frankenstein the Unconquered, yes. absolutely. So th- this is uh, this is what actually- a banger of a book, man. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got I got to say so myself. So w- when um, when the actual IP for Frankenstein, of course, uh, a, a lot of IPs do get the uh, get the the uh, I guess the longevity enough for them to be adapted by anyone to take mm-hmm. on the public domain IP for to do Frankenstein for 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 anybody that that hasn't had the ability to do it themselves. What does it take? Because everybody understands Mary Shelley's uh, Frankenstein as right. something of a classic themselves. Mm-hmm. When you take into that and then look on to doing this yourselves, what was encompassed in you guys creating that? Uh, I honestly just wanted to see Frank with a broadsword. <laughs> I was like, I, let's just take Boris Karloff and give us give him a sword. It's great. Uh, but no, we we have a, a deep love and respect for Shelley's original novel so much that we made Frankenstein the Unconquered a sequel to the novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also love uh, the the Karloff Universal films and the Hammer films. And basically, there's no bad version of Frankenstein. Yeah. No matter how bad they are. Absolutely. Uh, So uh, we just kind of wanted to add our piece to the the tapestry, which is what's great about when a character becomes public domain like that. It's it's not just uh, DC Comics decides that you get to usher in a new story with Superman. Now Mm -hmm. the whole world gets to kind of partake and add to the tapestry of Frankenstein. Uh, So it's it's really cool. Uh, It's not necessarily uh, like nerve-wracking because it's you have like a novel that's canon so like you can really do anything with with the monster and it feels he's like the batman of monsters you can do anything with him and it feels kind of authentic this is very true i mean even Mm -hmm. even like what you're talking about with dc even uh with james gunn basically creating an adaptation of creature commandos because frankenstein of course is a part of it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh yeah i'm I'm actually really excited for Creature Commandos. <laughs> I love the Creature Commandos. Oh, Lord. 
Yeah, I'll say for me, uh, that that was sort of not a point of contention, just like when Dalton first had the idea for Frankenstein the Unconquered, he wrote an eight-page script and he drew it out and was just like, this is going to be so cool. And I read it and I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> and yeah, and Yuri was like, what is there to get? Frankenstein has a broadsword. It's awesome. I'm like, okay, but why? What is any of this? Uh so for me, it was it was finding that why and finding, you know, what we had to say about these characters that either hadn't been said before or that hadn't been or, or, or that was just like interesting enough that it could be dug into more. Um, and I, I think we found that answer eventually. We, we sort of dove in a little bit more with the stories and uh, the, it, it, the evolution of it is a little bit interesting. They started as these sort of eight page shorts that appeared mm-hmm. in our first uh, ever published book, Descent into Dread, which is a horror anthology. Um, and some ash cans. Yeah, as well as the ash cans, but those were adapted into the, the professional looking ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we had those and we sort of toyed around with the idea of what if this was a series and we didn't have, uh, we, we couldn't justify it. We couldn't figure out why it needed to be a series. Uh, and then, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but basically we had, uh, a character that came to mind that we're like, oh, we could explore his relationship with this character. Mm-hmm. And immediately we were like, and everything fell into place. And we're like, okay, let's do it. This is awesome. Um, so yeah, for, for me, adapting a uh, an existing IP, you know, a, a common, I forget what the, a public domain. Public domain. Yeah, public domain IP is just about like putting respecting the original material while putting your own spin on it and then giving it a like reason to exist um and i think frankenstein the unconquered does that it's it's fun it's uh loud it's metal as hell um it gives us an opportunity to explore not just frankenstein but uh the wolfman and dracula jekyll and hyde the invisible man basically the entire canon of like halloween monsters yeah uh, while also saying something that was pre- present but not as like fully explored in the original novel namely kind of this idea of uh masculinity behind frankenstein and Mm. how uh sort of the the negative aspects of frankenstein can be uh attributed to a sort of like toxic idealism of how he wanted to be like his father and impress his father and how that fell apart for him and now that that's all he knows he's just trapped in the cycle of doing it um that was a really interesting aspect of the character to to me in particular and i know to dalton uh after i sort of uh (laughs) told him about it i was like hey i think this is what's going on he was like that's makes sense that's that works yeah let's do it (laughs) um so yeah no uh once we had that once we realized that we had something kind of pertinent to say about the character and the property and and that we could tell some really cool stories with it that's when we knew that we had to uh to to go ahead and make the property Mm -hmm. dalton anything to add to that uh yeah i mean it's it's great because now that frank is uh this this ongoing uh we can we can tell this big overarching narrative that that dives into a lot of the the themes that well wells mentioned but the the structure of the series itself is like uh single issue vignettes almost like westerns mm. or the classic kind of conan the barbarian comics where frank rolls into a town there is a problem 
and uh, he definitely ends up making it worse, and then he rides away into the sunset. Right. Uh, but by telling those kind of single issue stories, where you can, you have a whole playground where you can kind of do whatever you want in those single issue stories, while still building this big narrative throughout uh, that culminates at the end. Uh, it, it's it's something that we're uh, that we don't get to do in Mechaton because Mechaton is very streamlined in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's like a different mech every issue, but it's not like it's a different yeah. kind of story every issue. It's, it's, it's not definitely a, yeah, it's not yeah. episodic in the same right. way that Frankenstein is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and so it's it's really nice to be able to stretch our muscles not just in uh, genre and tone, yeah. but in structure. Definitely. Now, in taking in the scene within indie comics, uh, more often than not, and I'm starting to see it more often, you tend to see the uh, the collaboration, of course, of course, co-writers. Mm-hmm. Now, it, what what does that help to have the dynamic between you two rather than just being singular in a sense? Uh, well, uh, the books wouldn't have gotten made if it was just one of us. Uh, and Mechaton definitely would have just been a dumb punch him up. Uh, and Frankenstein definitely would have just been a morose diatribe on masculinity if we weren't working together. Like, yeah. We each bring something really cool to the table to balance out our weaknesses. And then by doing that, we make the other stronger yeah. by making this collaboration. So the, it, and it's also just fun to work with your friend and who's yeah. a really good like writer and an editor so that you can just kind of spitball ideas and just like, I don't, it's fun making things with people you like. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> no, I, I 100% agree. Uh, yeah, working together has made us better as individual writers. Uh, we're both, we both do and are working on individual stuff uh, mm-hmm. separate from each other, but we continue to collaborate as well. And uh, yeah, we're just really good at balancing out each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, so that it, it was an it was obvious to us after a little while that we needed to collaborate mm-hmm. and and make some cool stuff together. Um, and it also it also helps to just like you know gives you a uh, a really strong editor essentially. Like if you if you trust someone this much, they're essentially your editor uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, and that can be a really powerful dynamic. Plus, mm. <laughs> plus, if again, if you trust each other enough, you know there's there's enough love there and there's enough uh, honesty there. Uh, you know when something's good. You mm-hmm. don't have to second guess yourself because you'll send it over and they'll be like, "Oh, dude, no, no notes. This is great." Uh, <laughs> and if and, and if you were just doing that yourself, you know, you would sit there and you'd second guess it and you maybe go back and, and over edit it. Um, but if you have someone there to confirm it and on the flip side, if someone's like, this isn't working at all, <laughs> then, you know, like, okay, I have veered way off course. We need to, we need to, we need to course correct. <laughs> also, and, and most importantly, I feel if you're working on a project solo, and it fails, you only have yourself to blame. If this fails, at least I can say it's Wells' fault. If, ah. if we succeed, yeah. it's my, it was me. If we fail, it was Dalton. Yes. That is yeah. always true. It's always the case. <laughs> it, I guess it's always good to say that you don't, you're not, both of you are not yes men. So you, you do critique no. each other. And if there's something that generally awry with how the writing is going or how the path of the storyline is going, mm-hmm. you do tend yeah. to make that adjustment. Absolutely. And sometimes it means butting heads. And we have done mm-hmm. that several times. Um, 
and it's always led ultimately to the, to a stronger story, to a better story. Right. So we don't mind doing it when we have mm-hmm. to, uh, even, even when it is kind of exhausting because we we're both very opinionated and we're both good at what we do. Uh, so when we, when we are at an impasse, it can feel like we're headed into an octagon, mm-hmm. uh, one man or two men enter, one man leaves then later. Which is why our point leave. system works yeah. really well for our collaborations where one of for us sure. takes point on a series. And that way, if we are at this impasse and we're not moving forward at all, somebody can finally be like, okay, this isn't working. We're going to go with my idea and we're going to move on, or this book isn't going to get made. Yeah. And we'll be like, and we, and then the other person has to step away. And to just be like, okay, I respect it. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So um, how many days do we got left in the campaign for Mechaton? Ooh. Uh, I believe... 12? I believe it's uh, 11. Let me check really quickly. Uh, The 22nd is the final day. (laughs) All right. We have 12 days to go. 12 12 days to go. Although Kickstarter is a little weird, so it'll say 12, but it really means 13, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because they, they do count down the hours as well. Yeah, because so, it'll say three days and then it'll go from three days to 72 hours. So <laughs> for sure, for sure. So, of course, uh, 12 days left in this campaign. What what can we expect more from uh, Frankenstein the Unconquered? Are we working on an uh, issue three for that? We are absolutely working on oh, yeah. issue three and four. It will be later this year. I do not know exactly when. We have some other stuff that we're debuting as well. Uh but yeah, we will have more Frankenstein the Unconquered on the horizon. And uh, number two is uh, wrapping up right mm-hmm. now. It is being lettered. It's been fully colored, uh, fully inked and colored, uh, currently being lettered. And then uh, shortly after that, we will get it printed and inboxes uh, so everywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like as far as Mechaton, like now that we're at issue four and five, are we going to see a volume one for the entire arc in uh in the kickstarter campaign in the future uh possibly is all i we have we have to figure out what's going on with uh with mechaton whether we're continuing to do it on kickstarter whether we're gonna move to the patreon model or just Mm. figure it out uh scoot scout for sure it's coming out it'll just for sure through scoot yeah so Scout or Scoot, the, the YA uh, and young adult, or yeah, the YA and all ages uh, section of, of Scout is uh, publishing Mechaton. Their uh, issue one comes out uh, March 29th. It'll be in stores everywhere. Uh, and sometime later this year, the trade will be out. Um, I'm not going to rule out the possibility that we won't do a trade on Kickstarter as well. I think we should keep everything open right now. Uh, but... For Maybe sure, a nice big omnibus. When yeah, <laughs> or yeah, or, or like a deluxe edition, or something <laughs> like that. Um, but we'll see. But uh, yeah, and in some way, shape, or form, it'll be. Uh, we will definitely direct people where to find the trade. <laughs> it will exist. For sure, man. Hey, that definitely sounds good. But uh, I appreciate the both of you guys doing this with me. This was this has been awesome yeah. Yeah. Uh, for anybody that is definitely out there. Uh, Mechaton, of course, is still on Kickstarter. The campaign is still live for the next 12 days. So I, I look forward to getting that in my hands myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure okay. that every, everybody uh, is everybody that's basically uh, added to the campaign so far is pretty much uh, with baiting breath uh, awaiting this uh, happening. So kudos Absolutely. to you guys and thank you uh for, for for doing this with me this has been awesome well thank you it's been yeah. great thank you and uh, real quick i gotta say if you are worried about like jumping into a new series we're on issue four and five 
uh, we're doing everything we can to, to bring everyone into the loop. So we got uh, all the previous issues available in digital and in uh, physical. Never been uh, a better time. Yeah, never been a better time, honestly, to get on board. Uh, as well as just tons of deals on everything else. And some free, uh, we managed to get uh, another series, Amerikaiju, uh, as just a free add-on. All backers are getting three free issues of another comic. So mm. Now, is there a way for, uh, for customers to basically get their hands on the first three issues? Yeah. To get, to get yeah. their hands on the first three, just like just the first three, not four and five? No. But <laughs> <laughs> so you would have to get four and five as well. But yeah, no, you can get, uh, you can get all uh, from issues one to five. You can just get just four and five. You can also get every variant cover we've ever done for issues one through five. Um, yeah, no, we're, we, uh, and, and get them individually as well as add-ons. So there's tons of different ways to, uh, to grab a hold of it. We also have all our other books on there. Frankenstein, the Unconquered, if you want to check that out as an add-on for uh, Mechaton number four and five, it is there. Um, Descent into Dread, By Visibility, uh, From the Static, all the books that we've been a part of uh, are available on there. So go nuts. Perfect. Perfect. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate your time. Uh, this is this is once again been awesome, and I appreciate mm -hmm. you you guys joining me. So for for James Grandmaster Facts Boys and the Facts Project, you have Wells Thompson, Dalton Shannon, get Mechatime Four and Five, which are now live on Kickstarter, as well as getting your hands on Frankenstein the Unconquered, which pretty much well one that's currently out now and then issue two that's going out and then i'm pretty sure issue three is going to be coming out pretty soon so for for all of us in this podcast thank you for everybody for joining me and we are out